السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته الحمد لله الحمد لله العلي الأعلى الذي خلق فسوى والذي قدر فهدى أشهد أنه لا إله إلا هو له الأسماء الحسنى وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله صاحب المقام المعلم أما بعد فأعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم ألم يأنن الذين آمنوا أن تخشع قلوبهم لذكر الله وما نزل من الحق صدق الله العظيم Honorable scholars, respected brothers, there's a great degree of excitement and enthusiasm within the Muslim community in anticipation for the great month of Ramadan. That is expected, that's natural, and it's actually a sign of Iman that you look forward to the great month. But what I want to address you on this afternoon is that there are two separate things. One is the reward of Ramadan and the other is the benefit of Ramadan. And there is a distinct difference between the two which is lost to us and as a result, we do not secure the actual benefit of the great month, whilst we may secure the reward of the blessed month. The reward of the month of Ramadan is, that when the month comes, we fast, and that's the primary act of ibadah and worship. We recite Quran, we perform taraweeh salah, we sit for atikaf, we make dhikr, we discharge zakat, we give optional charity, and we tick the boxes of the deeds that are normally carried out during this great month. And for that, inshallah, not only will Allah reward us, but as Allah has promised in the great month of Ramadan, the reward is multiplied manifold. But, what's the benefit of Ramadan? The benefit of Ramadan is that you must remain a better Muslim after the great month has lapsed. And that is where many of us fall short. We maximize or we optimize or we benefit to some extent from the reward that is on offer, but not from the benefit that's on offer. So on the day of Eid or a few days after Eid or a little while after Ramadan, spiritually, perhaps even physically, some of us lose some weight in Ramadan, then we pick it up on Eid day. But even spiritually and more importantly, spiritually we retrogress to exactly where we were prior to Ramadan. So this is the thing. We have to ask ourselves the question, why? Firstly, our intention is not correct. We don't approach the month with the intention of changing. We approach the month with the intention of securing reward. And these are, like I'm emphasizing, two very distinct actions, two very separate and distinct objectives, which we need to pursue separately and independently. Pursue the reward, but also pursue the benefit. So from the onset, we don't have the intention of changing. We only have the intention of securing the reward. That's why after Ramadan, we go back to exactly where we were. We don't press the delete button. All we do is we press the pause button. Okay, these 30 days are coming. For 30 days, I walk the straight and narrow. There are certain things I must do. There are certain things I mustn't do. But after those 30 days, I'm unshackled. I'm like a bird out of the cage. From the get-go, as they would say, our intention was never to change, so we didn't change. And that's a tragedy. Because some scholars say, Ramadan is like a ladder, a step ladder. Every year, you must come one step closer to Allah and remain one step closer to Allah. We take a step up, 
and then we take a step down. We take a step up and we take a step down. On average, you'll experience Ramadan 65 times in a lifetime. How many opportunities lost in terms of being closer to Allah where we are, compared to where we are currently? But as Muslims, we don't focus too much on the past. For that, we seek the pardon and the forgiveness of Allah. We live in the now and we focus on the future. How can I change this? This Ramadan, how do I become a better Muslim and remain a better Muslim? You see, in the corporate world, they have a catchphrase now. They say, be the best version of yourself. Be the best version of yourself. It's just fancy language for become a better person. So if you're a doctor, become a better doctor. If you're a lawyer, become a better lawyer. But you know what is our primary identity? Our primary identity is we are the servants of Allah. I was saying yesterday at a workshop which I was conducting, that what does it mean to become Muslim? If we have to ask the average Muslim, that what does it mean to become Muslim? What's the purpose of our creation? We will perhaps refer to the verse of the Quran where Allah Taala says, وَمَا خَلَقْتُ الْجِنَّ وَالْإِنسَ إِلَّا لِيَعْبُدُونَ That we have, we have created you to worship us. So, abd, to be the abd of Allah, what does it mean? In English, we were translated as to be the slave of Allah. We have been created to worship Allah. We are the slaves of Allah. But the English language, that word slave has a very negative connotation. When you talk about the word slave, the first image that will pop into your mind is of someone who's shackled and is being shipped away for hard manual labor. In Arabic meaning, it means that when you submit yourself to Allah fully, when you enslave yourself to Allah totally, then and then only will you truly liberate yourself from everything and everyone else. For as long as you do not become an abd and a slave of Allah, you will then remain a slave to fashion, a slave to your habits, to your hobbies, to your friends, to your wife, to your children, to your job, to your boss, and to the dominant trends of the day. You will not be liberated. I have a title deed, I've got my own property, I've got my own income, so I'm liberated. You're not. The only time you are truly freely enslave yourself to Allah. Your whole life revolves around the pleasure of Allah. Is Allah happy? Is Allah unhappy? Is this what Allah wants? Is this what Allah doesn't want? That person is truly liberated. And that should be our intention, that should be our objective, that I'm going into this great month, this month offers greater blessings, greater effulgence. Allah makes the whole environment more conducive for us to come closer to Him. That Allah has made it for us already. Allah shackles the devil. We just need to now make a little bit of effort to remain steadfast. But normally we talk about steadfastness at the tail end of Ramadan. Because you'll only remain steadfast post-Ramadan if you have the intention to be cut of a bed. You see, you people here in Natal are familiar with the comrades. Nobody pitches up on the day with a brand new pair of techies and says, I'm ready to run. Nobody. Such a person is, fool, is foolish. And even if they endeavor, they're not going to succeed. I was in London recently and I said the word techies, so they were all looking at me. Sheikh, techies, what's that? I said, okay, sorry, sorry. That's a South African terminology. Trainers. There they say trainers. So, you want to run the comrades, it's a race of a couple of hours. You've got to prepare for a couple of months, if not the whole year. You run at altitude. You can't come with a brand new pair 
of, of trainers or techies, you've got to run it in. You've got to get your feet accustomed to that pair of, uh, of, 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 uh, of, of, of shoes. Now you'll say, I've got some degree of preparation. I stand some chance of doing well. Either getting the medal or winning the race or whatever the case may be. So we understand this from a physical perspective, but we fail to understand this from a spiritual perspective. Our preparation for Ramadan is only physical. So the women are very busy stocking up the freezers. And they're stressing about load shedding and the impact it will have on the samosas. It's not a bad thing. For women folk to do maximum of this work before Ramadan, so they have more time for Ibadah and Ramadan is a good thing. For men to clear their diaries, you know, to clear your diary, to try and get all the meetings, all the traveling, all the hard stuff out of the way now, so that you have more time for Ibadah and more time for worship during the month of Ramadan, that's a good thing. But that's part of your physical preparation. What about the spiritual preparation? I fasted the most out of Ramadan in the month of Shaban. It was to generate momentum. So we don't generate spiritual momentum. Our relationship with the Quran is non-existence weak. Our salah is not in order. Our dhikr is not in order. Our dua is non-existent. And now when Ramadan starts, cold turkey, we want to get going. You'll still get reward. By the time you actually find momentum, the month has already left you. That is the reason why Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa makes the dua, Allahumma barik lana fi rajab wa sha'ban wa balighna ramadan. That Allah grant us barakah in rajab and sha'ban. Barakah for what? For a business deal? For material gain? No. Barakah in our preparation. Because the extent of benefit in the month will be proportionate to the nature of our preparation for the month. And that's the point that I want to drive home today. We can't just wait anxiously and excitedly for the month to commence. Our preparation needs to intensify. We need to be serious about our preparation. Rajab has already left us. It's a bit late, but it's never too late. You know, they say if you want to develop a good deed, be constant on it for 40 days, it will become entrenched in your routine. And if you want to break a bad habit... Make the sacrifice of abstaining from it 40 days consecutively, you'll break the habit. We may not have 40 days to Ramadan, but between now and the end of Ramadan, we have more than 40 days. It's not a month. This is what I want to actually emphasize. It's not a month. It's a season of change. Lives for the better. It's time for us to become better servants of Allah. It's time for us to become better Muslims. It's time for us to become, as they would say in the corporate lingo, the best version of ourselves, not as business people or as professionals. They also, but as servants of Allah. As Ibadur Rahman, that Allah has given me life. What a bounty. To what extent have I appreciated this bounty of Allah and made the most of it? The beauty of Islam is you don't cry too much over spilt milk. What has happened has happened. You made tawbah. Not only will Allah forgive you, Allah will substitute every evil deed with a good deed. But whatever time you have left, you make the most of it, it will compensate for whatever weakness there was in the rest of your life. You've got to make some degree of effort. Allah says you make a little bit of effort. You take a baby step, a baby step in my direction. I come running to you and I embrace you. But take that baby step, you must... If you're not going to take that baby step, you're not going to realize that benefit of becoming a better Muslim, of changing and becoming a better servant of Allah. Yes, you'll get the reward for fasting. You'll get the reward for your Quran. You'll get the reward for your charity. 
you'll get the reward for spending time in the house of Allah. Wa but spiritually speaking, as a Muslim, as a servant of Allah, after Ramadan, you will be where you were. And such is life. Life just passes you by. I say this often these days. If what happened to us during the COVID period didn't give us a wake-up call, then Allah alone knows what it would need to take for us to... You know, one microscopic virus brought the whole world to a standstill. If that does not shake us and jolt us into the realization of how temporary and how fleeting and how uh, finicky life is, then what, what will it take for Allah to give us a wake-up call? It, does it need to be something more severe? And we, we talk about what happened to the people in Turkey. And we give our money and we send our teams and we provide relief. And we cry a few tears when we hear about those very sorrowful stories. But is it jolting us into realizing that, hey, those people went to sleep that night as landlords, having tenants. The next day they were sleeping in a tent, in a tent with no differentiation between a landlord and a tenant. Overnight, you lose everything. Overnight, your life is turned upside down. Who said it can't happen to us? After we've seen the looting after we've seen the floods, what more do we need to see that will prompt us into realizing that the time for change is now? We can't delay any further. Life is passing us by. So, how do we embrace it as a, life, as, as a season of change, rather than just a, as a month of reward? The one is what I've explained, that you've got to do the good deeds now. Start with it now to generate momentum, so you can build on it in the great month of Ramadan. Get your salah in order. Develop a daily relationship with the Qur'an. Reading, listening, understanding the meaning, propagating the message, practicing upon the commandments, improving your recitation. Dhikr, dua. You know, dua is such today, we can't make dua. We have forgotten how to make dua, we only know how to say ameen to the dua of the imam. You'll be sitting in the house of Allah on the 27th night and they'll... Collective dua has its place, its benefits. Yeah, but we don't know how to make dua. You make dua, we'll say amin. We have lost the habit of speaking to Allah. Umar radiallahu anhu used to say, when I make dua to Allah, I'm not so concerned whether Allah will give me what I'm asking for. I just enjoy having a conversation with Allah. You know, you want to perform salah, you need to have wudu. You have to face qibla. Your clothes have to be parked. It's a lot of conditions. You want to go for hajj, you need bucks. You need time, you need visa, you need F, air ticket. You have to make dua in your language. Grammatically correct or incorrect. Gum style or contemporary style. Whichever style, you talk to Allah from your heart. That's what Allah loves. Because you're showing your inability before the total ability of Allah. Fasting, nafil fast, Monday and Thursday, or at least the ayyame bir to develop some momentum before Ramadan, giving charity from now, developing the habit, etc. If you start those deeds, which we normally do in Ramadan, before Ramadan, you'll see the barak of it. One, it generates momentum. The second is it now creates within you the ability for in Ramadan. In other words, it enlightens your heart. And the more your heart is enlightened, the more you will be able to draw from the treasures of Allah during the month of Ramadan. But I want to spend the remainder of my time to highlight the most important thing when it comes to preparation for Ramadan. 
It's the most important, yet it's the most difficult. Whilst it may be difficult, it's not impossible. And that is, you've got to give up sin. You've got to give up sin. You can't press the pause button on your sins. You've got to press the delete button. We are humans. We will sin. We will err. But sin is to be an aberration in our life. Something that happens coincidentally, accidentally. Not that sin should be a habit in our life. Such a habit that we don't even realize we're sinning. One alim gives an example, he says, when the average person goes to the toilet, he gets the repugnant smell. When the toilet cleaner goes to the toilet, he gets no smell because his nose has been desensitized due to excessive exposure. Sin has become so entrenched in our routine from what we look at, especially to what we talk about, to what we hear, to what we do, to where we go, that many times we're sinning and we fail to realize that we're sinning. At times you can be in the best of places, the house of Allah, in the best of months, Ramadan, at the best of nights, 27th night, or you're in the best of places, Hajj, on the best of days, Arafah, in the best of conditions, Ihram, and you're sitting and you're backbiting out of habit. When you're supposed to be drawing from the treasures of Allah, you're earning the wrath of Allah, out of habit. The devil is shackled in Ramadan. The devil has no entry in Arafat. That day he's in depression. No Prozac or antidepressant can help him. You're not sinning because of his provocation. You're sinning out of habit. And we've got the opportunity here. 40 days you abstain from something. You can break the habit. But you need to have the intention that I'm not going to go back to it inshallah. And it needs to start now where you sit down. Seriously. Consciously. Not in a very generalized way. I know, you know, Malana was right. We must give up sin. And then we just forget about it. Consciously. You sit down and you work it out. What are my sins? The sin of the eyes, the sin of the ears, the sin of the tongue, the sin of the thumb, the sin of the thumb. I was saying in the 27th Rajab Bayan the other day, I said, brothers, in the court of Allah, you can't say, oh Allah, forwarded as received. Retweets are not endorsements. Nowadays you forward anything because it's since we enjoy some degree of prominence. Any person who enjoys some degree of influence, any person who occupies a position, we feel that he is guilty until proven innocent. When Islam says you're innocent until proven guilty. So any clip making an accusation about that person's integrity lands on our WhatsApp. We forward it and we say forward it as received to appease our conscience. You will be accountable to Allah. You play with people's izzat and integrity, you'll be accountable to Allah. Every WhatsApp message that you forwarded, you will have to answer for. So, let each one of us sit back and say, what are my sins? Physical, spiritual, what I think about, what's in my heart, digital. Nowadays you propose for the girl, the first thing her father checks is your Facebook. I'm not kidding, you know how many people have told me, Moana so and so, I checked his Facebook or Instagram, I said, uh, my daughter, you know what, give it a pass, give it a buy. Your digital footprint, for all of that we have to make sincere tawbah. Allah gives us an opportunity, the 15th night of Shaban. The scholars say, it's like, you know, if you're meeting a very important person, then you take out time to prepare. You go buy a nice set of clothes. Take a shower, take a haircut, best perfume, trim your nails, do everything. It's a precursor to the event. You know like how the women get ready for a function. Those of you who married know. If you know, you know. If you don't know, you'll know. One day, right? 
you they're frustrated because time is lapsing and they like no no preparation is more important <laughs> checking checking rechecking and they say you know i think i think this dress is looking a bit too tight I'm going back in to change <laughs> so you, you your preparation is adequate depending on the occasion so allah grants us two weeks before the great month an opportunity to totally get ourselves forgiven to spiritually cleanse ourselves because when you go into ramadan with a dirty heart then you're not receptive to the blessings of that great month to its maximum. But when you go into Ramadan with a clean heart, now you've washed it on Laylatul Bara'ah, but before that you made tawbah, before that you started weaning yourself of sin, now when you enter into that great month, you're entering as a different Muslim. And you will exit, inshallah, as a different and a better Muslim. Now if your intention was there, that I don't only want the reward of Ramadan, Ramadan, I want the benefit of Ramadan, I want to change for the better. Life is passing me by. I want to become a better servant of Allah. Then Allah will embrace your intention. And Allah will make it easy for you. And Allah will keep you steadfast after the month of Ramadan. You see, brothers, take on and then open the windows. And that's where our mistake is. To do good deeds is easy. To take a tasbih and say, Subhanallah, Alhamdulillah, Allahu Akbar is easy. To read Nafil Salah is easy. To read Quran is easy. To give up sin is difficult. But to give up sin is compulsory. To do optional good deeds is not compulsory. If you spend the entire Ramadan only fasting and reading a taraweeh, no Quran, no dhikr, no optional charity, you won't get a sin. You'll miss out on the reward. But if you spend Ramadan sinning, like the reward of a good deed is multiplied, the sin of an evil deed in Ramadan is also multiplied. So you've got the AC running, but the windows are open. You're compromising the benefit. Sin makes your life difficult, it makes your life complicated. Ask yourself the question, why is it that we have so many people in life, they have everything that the world can offer them. They own a private island, they possess a fleet of private jets, they own more cars than they can count, but they can't sleep at night. It's sin. It's sin. It it, it sucks out the happiness and contentment. It makes you hollow inside. Because as a human you create it in two parts, the physical and the internal. The outer and the inner. The outer is overnourished. The inner is malnourished. It creates an internal imbalance. That's why you hollow and empty. That's why you have everything that the world can offer, but you feel totally empty. Sin is what complicates our life. To reach Allah is a nuanced thing. That you need a blueprint with an IQ of I don't know what, and a degree of how many years. Simple. The Sahabi came to Rasulullah and said, Ya Rasulullah, how can I become the greatest of worshippers? Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa told him, Stay away from haram, you'll become the best of worshippers. Today, if you want to become the Junaid Baghdadi, the Abdul Qadir Jilani, the saint of your time, just stay away from sin. We see people who get death at the time of Jumu'ah. There was a brother who I know last year, he got death in sajda, in Tarawih Salah in the month of Ramadan. He never built a masjid. He never sponsored an entire madrasa. His actions were few, but his heart was clean and he had no sin in his life. His heart was clean and he had no sin in his life. That's what I'm saying. Use this month before Ramadan to cleanse ourselves, to generate momentum by giving up sin. That's the best preparation. I conclude with these two things. Once a person came to Abdullah ibn Abbas and said, Oh Abdullah ibn Abbas, if you have two people, one is Kathirul Amal, Kathirul Dhunub. He's got many good actions, but he's got many sins. And the other one, Qalilul Amal, Qalilul Dhunub. He's got very few good actions, but very few sins. Who's better? 
He said the one who's got fewer good actions but fewer sins. Fewer sins. I'm not saying don't read Quran, don't give charity, don't make dhikr, don't read Quran. All of that has its place. But focus on getting yourself out of the routine and the habit of sinning. Most of the sins we commit is out of habit. We don't even realize. I'll leave you with this incident. They say in English, every saint has a past. Every saint has a past. Every sinner has a future. There's always hope. One of the greatest personalities in the annals of Islamic history is Abdullah ibn Mubarak. Normally, if you achieve in one field, that's enough for your greatness. If you're a mufassir and you're a great mufassir, you'll be acknowledged. If you're a muhadith and a great muhadith, you'll be acknowledged. This man was a mufassir, he was a muhadith, he was a sufi, he was a mujahid, he was everything. Acknowledged as one of the greatest personalities in the history of Islam. But when you learn his life story, at one stage in his life, he was in music. He was involved with women. He was drunk. He fell off to sleep in a garden, playing the violin. When he woke up, he heard someone reading the verse which I recited in my introduction. Alam amanu an Has the time not come for those who claim to be Muslims to become true Muslims? He said, Allah, the time has come. He said, Allah, the time has come. And he changed his life. When he made that one step, he took that one step, then Allah embraced him. I'm saying Allah tells us in a hadith of Qudsi, Ibn Adam, O son of Adam, I created you to worship me. Stop playing around. Stop messing around. If COVID hasn't woken you up, if looting and rioting and flooding hasn't woken you up, let it not be that you wake up only in your cupboard when it's too late to wake up. Allah has given us the opportunity. As long as you are breathing, you have a chance. Let's make sincere tawbah. Let's rid our lives of sin. Then we see the happiness, the contentment, and the barakah, and the blessings. Then the benefit of Ramadan, where we remain better Muslims after the great month. May Allah grant me and all of us the tawfiq. Wa akhiru da'wana. Alhamdulillah.